Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Well, here we go for your Friday. It's Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, and Riley Pollock. We've got it for you. All kinds of hockey information, some breaking news that uh, we had in Trending Now, and we'll get into that a little bit. Here's how the show's going to work today. We've got Elliot Friedman coming up at 1230. We're going to have to switch uh, Eric Francis to about 1245 for Eric Francis Friday, which will be brought to you by Height Infinity. But first, in his normal time slot, he's ready to go. Let's talk to Lou. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Peter, we talked last year when Andrew Mangiapane was was going through his, his contract dispute with the Flames and we said, you know what, kid, bet on yourself. Well, he did and it turns out for him because he signs a, a contract, he makes more money. And I wonder if he's betting on himself again a little bit with that two-year deal. Well, I think this is a deal, Kelly, in every way, shape, or form, including the economic times that just makes a pile of sense. Um, you know, for someone who now goes from a 715000 annual salary to the cap hit that'll be just over 2.4 now, all this young man has done is progress. He did bet on himself. He added to his point total. He went from 13 to 32. His time on ice grew uh, for the analytics types. He checks all the boxes in terms of possession and Corsi and all the good work he does scoring five on five. And then in the playoffs, five points in 10 games. Kelly, in one playoff year, he went from playing 10 minutes, just over 10 minutes to over 16. And, and so, got noticed, right? He was noticeable. And, and, uh, well, incredibly noticeable. I mean, he has moved into, and we'll see how it goes, a top six role for this team. And he deserves to be in that particular spot. So um, he did bet on himself. He's shown great progression with the extra opportunities that he has received. All he's done in the world of progression is get better and better and better. And the thing I like about the deal too is it's not for me an overpay in the sense that I think it is so fair. It gives him two more years to truly determine whether or not he is a legitimate either top six, top three. I said to you earlier this week, and I stand by it, this guy, this guy's top nine all day long for the next probably 10 years. You can book that. So, you know, however that price point comes to be, I think it makes sense in all accounts. And if he keeps progressing, I don't think, and again, I, I don't evaluate by numbers the way a lot of other people do, but Kelly, I, I don't think this is out of the realm, depending on the situation, because remember, um, up until very recently, he didn't have a lot of power play time. And I think that's going to increase. I really do on a regular basis because of his great work. And that's no. what Andrew has been about. He is a great worker with excellent hands, terrific vision. But he is a prime example of if you stay with it and your work is good, some pretty outstanding things can happen so you know good for him again it's another situation for the general manager of this team where with his own people you know that he has grown and developed and watched it's another for me incredibly savvy signing of this player because you didn't give him the moon and the stars you rewarded him I think appropriately rewarded him You've left the door open for him to someday, you know, the next time around, Kelly, he might be a $5 million guy Yeah. because I don't think 50 points a year is out of the realm for this guy going forward. I, I really don't, but you haven't paid him that way until he gets there. And that for me, more often than not in this day and age is, you know, you're paying way more sometimes for potential than you are for what's actually been done. And I think this one is a guy who deserved a significant raise because he earned it, and now he's got it. And he, and he earned it even strength. I think those those numbers even look a little bit better because he he was a guy that just, uh, 
you know, you talk about that draft and development piece. And that, that shows really well both on Andrew and the Flames. Sure it does. That, that's, that's what it's about. And, you know, we've talked this week, I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, about the challenge for young offensive players or players that make the jump and that they have to adjust. And that's what Andrew has done. This is, again, to repeat for a couple of times this week, this is a two-time 100-point producer in the Ontario Hockey League in his time in Barry. And his ability to still, A, go to Stockton, show that he could produce, but B, one of the reasons that Andrew ascended to way, way more significant ice time, responsibility, and numbers, you know why, Kelly? Because he did all the little things the yeah. right way. His work is excellent. He's a great retriever. Um, you can rely on him. He's not a liability in his own zone. And that, in a, in a way that people don't always look at, I think while his numbers showed great progression, I think one of the big reasons his numbers were way better is because he became far better away from the puck more responsible and that's when coaches trust and give you more opportunity yeah when you're good on that side you know listen there's only certain players frankly who can get away with you know being not one trick ponies but they have elite elite level offensive ability for the rest of the guys it's your ability to adjust do it the right way and then the rest of it comes together. Like in many ways, Andrew Mangiapane should be looked at by a lot of different players to say, this guy just does it right. And yeah. when you do it right, you get these kind of results both on the ice and then in the bank. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's how you do it. And And kudos to him. We're talking about the big breaking news today from the Calgary Flames as Andrew Magipani avoids uh, arbitration that was set, I guess, for month or what was it Monday or the following Monday? Yeah, the twentieth. Yeah, the twentieth. Okay. Um, yeah, the days do run in together these days, but they uh, sure do. So they they don't go to arbitration. Uh, Logan, when you first heard the news, when you saw it on your phone, what did you think? You thought it was a right right number? You think it's too much? Here we are in 2020. What do you think? I'm I'm really right in line with with where they were. We've had this discussion in the last few days. On the afternoon show with with me and Will and, and Pat and, and Peter and, you know, Pat was of the, the mindset. And I'm curious, Lou, where you would be on this. Pat was willing to go long-term with, with, with Andrew. Pat was was more than okay with the general manager and company going, you know, five, six years at a, at a bigger number for him. And I thought this was just the, the right spot for him. I don't think this team has a lot of money tied up long-term and they can afford right now to, to let Andrew – grow a bit and really see what he can do with more opportunity going forward and then kind of assess it in two years and go from there. But well, what about you? Do you feel like like they could have gone long-term with Andrew in this deal? Well, I think they potentially probably wanted to go longer term, but at what price point? And the number that I thought about in terms of one deal that came to my mind you know, thinking about this player and, and where he's projecting was four years at three million a season. But after that, I wasn't really willing to go much higher at this point because, as you already heard me, Logan Echo, uh, I'm a big believer in the fact that, you know, you pay in so many ways for, you know, it's nice to have longer term certainty. Don't get me wrong. But this is a player that's still coming into his own. And I think the deal fits. And I think the deal fits for both sides. Because let's say Andrew becomes a 50-point guy in the next couple of years. He's pr you probably limit yourself, don't you, that way? And yet for the team, you get two more years to truly find out exactly what this guy is. And I think the more certain... Like, here's the way the world has kind of trended. I'll put it to you this way. You want certainty in terms of knowing how much you're going to pay somebody. But what can't get lost, Logan, if you think about it this way, I don't want to pay somebody either 
just to have certainty before they've proven to me that they should have that element given to them. If that, if you know where I'm going with that. Yeah, no, totally. You know, we sometimes get so dialed in to, you know, we've got to, we have a good player, so we've got to get this guy locked in. And in some ways, what that does too is it may not put you in a bad place in one respect, but it does in the other. So I like, I like this situation a lot because I think for Rich Winter and Andrew and that group, I, I just think it's fair and it's smart. It leaves the door open. I like it. If there were more deals like this one, um, you know, I, I, I think there'd be less long-term mistakes made. Listen, I'm in the camp of if, if the world worked this way, I'd never want to sign anyone longer than three. And five at the most. Five at the most for me. We're chatting with Pete Labardi. It is Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We wanted to talk, and there was a, a signing yesterday that we wanted to talk about, and, and a guy that's been a bit of an enigma, uh, somebody that you have followed for quite a while. He's a, he's a goalie, and he's had some some ups, and he's had some downs. He's had an amazing junior career. Um, we want to talk about Ty Parsons and where, and where maybe his next two years go with the Calgary Flames. Um, where, where do you come out? I know you've done some research on this, so you can kind of give us a little bit of a, a little bit of insight into, into young, uh, Ty. Well, Kelly, it's, it's, it's a twofold. So let's start with Tyler. So comes out of London, second round pick in 20, 2016, um, for the flames, highly touted, uh, won a Memorial cup. Let's not forget either the 2017 world junior in Montreal in the gold medal game against Canada. That took me back to a guy by the name of Hoshek in 1998, because that night in Montreal, somewhat similar to the Olympic semifinal back in 98, it felt like if Canada had 20 guys shoot on Tyler Parsons, nobody was going to score. But he came in and I remember having a chat with Ray Edwards about Tyler Parsons. And, and Tyler, of course, unlike the kind of modern day six foot three, six foot four inch goaltender, is not that. He, he's very Jonathan Quick like in terms of small, incredibly athletic and agile. And I remember Ray talking to me at Winsport one day about, well, when you get into pro hockey for young goalies who are incredibly athletic Tyler's gonna have to not just rely Kelly on that side of the equation he's gonna have to kind of marry up being you know more technically sound and then use his athleticism I think he struggled with that early but more important for Tyler who you know the story came out again yesterday about you know he's battled concussions Health has been a problem. But, Kelly, then there's another factor for him that I think has been the biggest one. Mental health has been a problem, which he has talked about and dealt with over the last couple of years. But this is still, you know, a 23-year-old goalie with, with promise. And he's now getting to the point where I truly believe that, you know, if he can feel good about himself again and, and deal with some demons and all that he's learned and going through the trials and tribulations. And it's not been an easy road for him, you know, in pro hockey. It, it hasn't played itself out. Like, I thought at this point we'd be talking potentially about Tyler Parsons as the next guy. We're not there yet. And then today, just I've thought about this a lot. So I reached out to Jordan Sigalette today, the Flames goaltending coach, um, and, and I asked this question to him, not about Parsons specifically, Kelly, but I said, Jordan, in your opinion, why is it so hard for young goaltenders to find their way? Why does it take longer? And, and he wrote me a great answer back to just say that, you know, he said, Peter, more often than not, it's about maturity and growing. And, and being able to handle the ups and downs of a professional hockey season. And for some players, that takes 
a significant amount of time longer. I mean, even when you look at the Flames' new goaltending star and Jacob Markstrom, Kelly, you know, he's a perfect example. You know, this is a guy highly touted, drafted, you know, way back in 2009, um, took him really up until he was 28 years old to find his way as a National Hockey League starter. And then this past season, you know, in what was a third really good year and his best year yet, here's a goalie that now is at the top of his game. Well, he's not 23. He's going to turn 31 at the end of January. So, you know, and then Jordan also went on to just talk about, you know, goalies' ability to, to take care of their bodies and, and how they condition themselves and, and learn how to do that. Um, you know, again, becoming a pro and understanding the commitment and the work that goes hand in hand. And, you know, his last statement to me was, but beyond everything else, how you deal with the pressures and the guys who have the ability to work on their craft, stay mentally tough. That's what he says. Yeah. He's a difference maker. And that's why he thinks, and, you know, he knows one or two things about the position and played it himself at a pretty high level. And so I thought it was a real appropriate time to go in search of that kind of an answer. So we see what, what's next for Tyler Parsons. And it, it's the uh, it's the rule, not the exception. Goaltenders just, yes, they just take longer. You think Carey Price, you think, oh, my, he's a big high draft pick. Man, they're, they're going to run him out of town there for a while, right? So... Um, it, it takes time. And I, you know, you talked about Jonathan quick, well, he wasn't supposed to be, he just came out of nowhere. Right. You think of Martin Jones and all these different Mika Kiprasov, all these Jordan Binnington, all these goalies, like they just have to pay their dues. How many goalies and Jordan even mentioned this too. Um, Logan, I know that, you know, we talk about this on our airwaves all the time. How many cases are there where someone talking about an organization ends up developing a goalie that like really finds their way in another organization all the time, all All the time, the time, you know, so, so that's, uh, it's, it's not an easy thing. And when you look around the league though, um, you know, it's probably in the 10 to 12 goalies, around the league where you can say, okay, this guy started here and he grew and it came together, but for more yeah. often than not, you, you, and for the flames pick- guys, they've, they've had it go both ways. They had Kippersoff, who was the third guy in, in San Jose. And it was kind of a desperation trade to, to turn the season around. And it turned out to be a massive move, but it's also worked the other way. Remember J.S. Jaguar, you know, went down to Anaheim and, you know, became one of the best goalies of that era. So it works both ways. You just, you just never know with these guys. No, more often than not. And it's funny, I've talked to so many agents over the years um, about having goaltending clients. And for the most part, they, they just as soon stay away until, until they know exactly how it's going to play itself out. Because more often than not, you just don't. And because of the mental grind of that position, it's uh, it's a difficult one. Well, and, and we always talk about, you know, for, for a general manager, at least the, the opinion that I'm of at is, you know, even this year, how many how many goalies has Brad Treliving drafted over the years in his tenure here for over the years? Because you just, you don't know. They all run on, on different paths and there's different trajectories mm-hmm. for for goalies in junior goalies in Europe, they drafted a Russian goalie this year. That's something they haven't done in a but very David Riddick came time. out of nowhere when they drafted him. He was like, who is Zeg- this guy? Who was Artem Zagadulin to anybody in North America for the longest time? Right? Then he, he goes in and he steals the show in Stockton. I think you have to be incredibly patient. And I think you, as a GM, you almost have to be slightly selfless to a degree to know that based on how long I usually go as a tenure as a GM... I might not see this guy ever play under my tenure. And you got to trust your scouts, Lou. Hey, you just have to know. They've got to have a beat on those guys. No, listen, you know, when by and large, when most people think about scouting, they think about amateur scouting and amateur scouting is incredibly important, but don't ever diminish pro scouting. 
those are the people that you have, you know, Hawk, Hawk and Lube and, and all the Flame Scouts in Europe. Um, you know, those guys who watch other teams' players in the NHL and in the AHL. That's how a lot of trades get consummated is because of the work of your pro scouting staff. That's, that's what they're out there to do. And, and I, I've, I'm a big believer that a lot of times, you know, we don't talk or focus enough on just the absolute importance of your pro scouting staff. It, it, it matters a lot. Yeah. It really does. It, uh, I read Brian uh, Burke's uh, book, and by the way, we'll have Berkey on Monday on Hockey Central, and he talked about um, the Sedins. And if you remember Thomas Gradine, who played for, for the Canucks, I guess in the 80s, Lou. And, Old number 23. Yeah. yeah, and then he became their big European scout. And he, if it wasn't for him, and him absolutely saying you have to get these guys, and he you know, convinced them to come to, Sw- come to North America, it, it's, it, it's an amazing part of that book, but that just tells you how important your scouts are. It's, it's, it's just it's so important. And, Kelly, you've used this word. We've both used this word, scouting and the development piece. They, they're really married, and, and so is how important pro scouting is, just the same way it's incredibly important on the amateur side. And, and the other part is, too, it's, it's the focus and understanding, even when you bring those two groups together, of how they work together. So you're very much on the same page in terms of, of the types of people that you covet. And and that to me is so, so important too. That That's how some great teams get built. You have to have different types of players, but I think in many ways, in order to you know form an identity, you really have to be very, very clear as a staff, both pro and amateur, to continue to you know build that puzzle as time goes along. Because in the cap world, you just don't get a chance to keep everybody for as long as you want. Yeah. Peter Labardis is our guest here on Hockey Central at noon. Got Logan Gordon, Riley Pollock um, coming up at 1 o'clock. It is the big show, but before then, we're going to talk to uh, to Eric Francis and also hear from Elliot Friedman. We talked about it yesterday, so I, I don't want to let it go and, and get into next week, but the Western Hockey League is coming back in January. Um, it's going to be different. But I think it's important that league comes back. What, uh, as you as you heard that news this week, Lou, what did, what went through your head a little bit? Oh, Kelly, I'd probably need a whole segment. Um, just so many things. Listen, it's it's very personal that league for me in so many different ways. It's 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 kind of the Western League to me is almost like family. That's the impact that it's had in my life, both personally and professionally, and all the contacts. Um, it, these are really, really difficult times. And, you know, to even watch the news conference that Ron Robison had, um, you know, I just believe they're going to find a way. Uh, it's not going to be the same. Um, frankly, I absolutely 100% applaud owners of the teams because they're going to lose money and they're going to lose significant money. But yesterday they set January 8th and said, this is a firm date. This is when we're going to play. Of course, you know, none of us know the health implications. And in the Western League, remember, Kelly, there's, you know, every province. And, and this is a team with a number of American teams, too. So this is different than, you know, the challenge of even the NHL in a lot of ways. Because you've just, you've got so many different you're dealing with minors you're dealing away from home you're dealing with different school systems you're dealing with all kinds of things lou different provinces different health care billet families what's going on right what what we're what we're dealing with in alberta you know is different than where i am in ontario it's different than how they feel in british columbia and and the league has you know those provinces and states and trying to tie it all together but the one guy, and I know that we had him on the air yesterday, um, I just, Kelly, what went through my mind is I just, I love the league with my whole heart and soul. Um, I don't think right now where so much of the focus, and I understand, is on the end game, which is the, which is the National Hockey League. But let's not forget, you need a road and a path to get there. And the Western Hockey League, you know, and the CHL has been 
you know, one of the greatest developmental, I think it's the greatest developmental league on planet earth and players have to play and have a place to develop. And, you know, it's rich in tradition with so many great people. And, you know, to hear Jeff Chenoweth a little bit yesterday, I, I just can't even imagine because for Jeff, Kelly, this is a little different. I mean, his dad in so many ways, Ed, um, you know, he built the league. Like, I think the two greatest, you know, did he ever yeah. have been Ed and Ron. Yeah. You know, you know, this league has been in good, incredible hands. And, um, you know, and Jeff has grown up in it, um, been around it, been an owner. I mean, this runs incredibly deep. And, you know, the, the Brent Sutters of the world, the Bruce Hamiltons. I know Kelly McCrimmon, who, you know, was really one of the key players, just recently sold the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, there's a lot to think about. And, and I just, whether it's for the kids or people that have been all involved for a long time, I just, like, I've been so lucky and have made so many contacts and, you know, built so many friendships and relationships that, I don't know if I could pull any harder for a league. And, and and the other thing is, Kelly, they've they've had a lot of off-the-ice stuff, and I'm not going to go there today because, to be honest, it just pisses me off. And I'm not afraid to, to share that in terms of some of the lawsuits that they've dealt with. It makes me angry. Yeah. It makes me angry. But I'm pulling for them. I, I'm always going to be happy to play any kind of role and support because that league and the people in the league have given me so, so much. And I, and the reason I love it so much is I believe in, in the product and I believe in the people. Yeah, that that's well said. And we're looking forward to it and we'll see what happens here in, in uh, 2021 is uh, this has been a, a strange time for everybody. Lou, how are you feeling ahead of uh, the big game about, uh, should I go there? You're shaking your head, Logan. Should I? Should I? I don't am I, know. Am I, am I, am I poking see, the bear? See, at least the the, guy, the guys know me, and the boss <laughs> loves to poke, and it's good. I like it. I wouldn't really want it. You feel okay, way. don't you? No? Oh, I, you know why? You know why you feel okay? Hmm. Because you don't have expectations that it's necessarily going to end any different than it usually does. The Los Angeles Dodgers have become the modern day Atlanta Braves. <laughs> they have. They have. Spending you know, all that money and win, yeah. they do nothing but win division titles. Now, again, the thing that the Dodgers don't get enough credit for, yeah, they spend a lot of money, but they also develop a lot of incredibly talented players. Yeah. That, that's the one thing they don't always get enough credit for. But the one thing, and, and last night, and I'll just leave it at this, Bryce Wilson, and, and good on him, what a what six innings of work he gave, but how does the best hitting team in the game get one hit off Bryce Wilson? Like Bryce Wilson can't beat Clayton Kershaw in a game of that magnitude, but you know what? I watched and it happened. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. We will, uh, my, my poor wife. Oh yeah. I mean, it must she's gonna be, be so happy when they lose tonight. So yeah. I can just dump that. Well, the Vikings are going to beat Atlanta, right? So they're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. Oh, well, they're, they're awesome. I'm done with them. So that's good. Oh, yeah. We can get to 2021 with purple. They're finished. <laughs> we'll talk Monday. <laughs> okay. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. It is Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Riley Pollock, and look out, the big show coming up at uh, 1 o'clock. We are live today from the Iconic Studio, powered by a Iconic Electric and Controls Integrity. It's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. And I look around, guys, and it's like sunshine and a little cool, but this big snow squall thingy hasn't happened yet. So maybe we okay? I don't trust it yet. No? I think it's supposed to come tonight anyways, but you're right. Right now it looks great, but I mean... Trust nothing in Alberta weather. Let's just enjoy what we have for now. So here, here's what's happening. We're going to hear from uh, Eric Francis about 1245. So we'll have Francis Fridays a little bit later. But next, I uh, want to do a bit of a replay. Uh, always great to have Elliot Friedman on. We do it twice a week, uh, Friday mornings, 
and he comes on about 7.45, and he always gives us about 20 minutes of his time, and it's always really good stuff. So we're going to uh, kind of, you know, edit that down and get the best of the best for you. So we'll hear from Elliot next right here on Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thanks for keeping us around for your Friday. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, and Riley Pollock coming up. It's the big show at 1 o'clock. Baseball on the radio today. Uh, 7 o'clock, a little after that, we'll have first pitch. It'll be Atlanta, Los Angeles. The Dodgers have to win or they're out. And if we have a game 7 tomorrow, that would be, what, Logan 6 with uh, Houston, Tampa? Is that what they're planning? 6.30? Uh, 6.30. Okay. 6:30. So we'll find out. If not, then uh, that's how that's going to go. And uh, and more programming news on Sunday at 11. We may or may not have our first Denver Broncos game of the season. Yeah, we uh, this Patriots-Broncos game that never seems to want to happen. Uh, some more positive tests, like Riley mentioned there. Uh, out of Patriots, they canceled the practice today. Uh-huh. Adam Schefter of ESPN, the NFL insider, guru, uh, saying as of right now, no plans to change the the game on Sunday, but uh, we know how quickly that all yeah. crumbles Fran- apart. Frantic emails at yeah. uh, eleven thirty at night, like I got last time. Okay, you did, well. you did mention the Colts to me off the air. They actually had four false positive tests. Okay, so they they were panicking. Turns out nothing to panic about. Yeah, and, but the, and the Patriots. Fal- and the Falcons are okay. They're going to play Minnesota. Well, I mean, yeah, they they're don't just, have they don't have COVID, but they also don't have any players. Football, yeah, yeah. You know, you know so there I mean. is that. To get that, Riley, you get it. They don't have. Oh yeah. They don't have any. Well, they've had all kinds of guys yeah. go down injured too, so it hasn't sure. hasn't been great. So that's what's happening. Sunday night football is at Rams in San Francisco, and then uh, Monday night we'll have Arizona and Dallas. So they've been messing around with the schedule. We'll try and get as much on double as we header possibly. Monday now. Yeah. We'll try to get on as much as we can. Eric Francis coming in in about 10 minutes, something like that. Yeah. But uh, we've got the one, the only Elliot Friedman, and the guys, uh, you know, the, the the big hockey news all over the NHL is Taylor Hall to Buffalo. How exactly did that happen? You know, he had a ton of interest. Um, you know, it sounded like there were, I mean, not surprisingly, but it sounded like there were upwards of 20 teams that initially reached out and, just said, hey, what are you thinking? And he started scheduling some Zoom calls. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that kind of happened there really was, you know, there were a number of teams, and I think that, you know, I think Boston was one, I think Vegas was one, that were really interesting to him. Um, But they kept on saying, look, we've got to move money first. We've got to move money first. We know now that Vegas was obviously in big on Petrangelo and they had to move money for him. So they would have had, and it was, that was a challenge and they would have had to do it with Hall too. And Boston, and from what I heard, same deal. Like they were very interested and, but they would have had to move money. And I think as the weekend continued, you know, Hall was like, you know, I, I just want to know where I'm playing. You know, I, I, I just, I don't want to sit around. I want to have some idea of where I'm going. And, you know, I just think there weren't enough teams that could commit. And, you know, I'm not sure Colorado ever even talked about money with them. Uh, I know Columbus was very interested, too. Um, and then Buffalo came in. And, and I heard on Sunday morning that Buffalo was a possibility. And I was I was surprised. Like, I honestly read, I thought if it was going to be Buffalo, they were going to come in with some mega offer out of nowhere. I didn't realize they were talking one year. And... I just think at the end of the day on Sunday, he's sitting there and he's, he's saying, you know, I, I really want to know where I'm playing. I, I'd like to have an idea of where I'm potentially going here. And some of the other situations like Boston and Vegas were, okay, we got to do this first, or we got to do this first, or you got to wait for this. And I think he just got tired of waiting. I think he just said, you know, I, I can't risk that, uh, you're not going to be able to do it, and I'm still sitting here, and I missed out on opportunities. He's the Ralph Kruger factor. Do not underestimate that. Kruger is a master at forging relationships with people. The fact that he's never played with anyone like Eichel, I, don't underestimate that. And you know, it's 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 closer to his family, uh, his parents at least. Uh, you know, I just think Buffalo was all in with this offer, and it was the best concrete thing he felt he had. It just goes against 
him saying he wants to win, doesn't it? Because I, I mean, it and does, I'm not trying to belittle it, what. Yeah, it, it does, Rhett. Like you're, you're right. Like I, I've heard that criticism too. But at the end of the day, like Rhett, you've been in that situation, okay? So let's 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 imagine you there. You've got this concrete offer from Buffalo, okay? You've got, I think, a concrete offer from Columbus. And then you've got Vegas and Boston, and those are two really good organizations. And they're saying, yeah, we'll do this, but you got to wait for us to do some other things first. Like, you've been in that situation. You know what the market's like. How long are you willing to wait? Yeah, you're right. And I'm not against it. I think all the things that you pointed out, the Kruger thing, I mean, you, you can't understand how much important it is. You play better for guys that you like and have a relationship with. Eichel, I think, is elite. And having those guys on a, on a line together should be absolutely, I mean, the fans of Buffalo are in for a treat whenever this finally kicks off. I just, yeah. if I'm him, I'm, there's a handful of teams that, that scream uh, Stanley Cup to me. And, and you yeah. can never pick it. Too many guys have tried. But Buffalo is nowhere close to that. Yeah, and I just, and, and, and I don't care. And, and take the money. I don't care. I, I'm a player. I would take money too. But I don't think money's going to be an issue for Taylor Hall in his life. So, man. so I, no, and I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan. I'm all for it. I, no, my, 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 my question I was asking you was not this. My question was, because I, I think I understand everything you're saying, although I think Buffalo's had a pretty good offseason here. Um, I think it's how long do you wait, Brad? Like, if you're in his shoes and you've got two teams saying, two good teams saying, we're interested in you, but you have to wait. You know, he waited 48 hours. Should he be expected to wait longer? Or do you look at where, what's happening with this market where a lot of guys, where the forward market is totally creative and a lot of guys are taking below market deals? How long do you say, okay, that's enough. I'm not waiting for you guys anymore. What's the answer? Well, there isn't an answer because everyone's different and we all know that, right? It's what's, yeah. what's good for one guy is not necessarily good for another guy. But mm -hmm. the thing, like you said, I've been in that situation and I'm not whining about my earnings, but Taylor Hall has made $70 million over his career, roughly. Mm -hmm. There's a, that, that, That's life. That's changing, right? Like you don't need... If you have a, a lottery ticket and for a million dollars, I am there's nothing getting in my way from rushing down and depositing that, and and I get it. But if Taylor Hall by waiting misses out on a million dollars, I don't know that that's again. I, you can't belittle a million dollars, but in his situation, I don't know if that's if I'm as stressed out. Do you know what I mean? Like. And again, on a one-year deal, if if he went to Colorado for five million dollars and played really well, he's going to make up that three million dollar difference over the course of his next contract, probably anyway. So yeah, I, 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 I think it. that's all it's, fair. I, I just like I think it's all like Rand. I'm not. I just think at the end of the day, he decided I, I want to know where I'm playing. Yeah, and he took the most concrete offer. Do you see any sticky arm cases out there? I, I know we're on, sort of on the topic of Buffalo for whatever reason, mostly because likely because Rhett's there. Yeah, but... we're on Buffalo. I didn't realize that my 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 Thursday Buffalo radio hit had moved to Friday. Yeah, well, just this one week, if you don't mind. Um, but they've got <laughs> Reinhardt and Olmark, and those are interesting to me because I think both those players that you can dream on those ceilings a bit. But any across the board, any any cases where you're like, ooh, that that smells like trouble. Well, the Reinhardt one's interesting because I'm I'm really curious to see what they're going to do here. Um, I, I find that uh, kind of a, a fascinating case. Um, you know, we're starting to see more settlements. D'Angelo settled last night. Um, someone told I, I've heard from a few different people that Vertanen's not going to Arb. That one's going to get sorted out between Vancouver and the agency there. Um, you know. Just the other cases, uh, I think you're going to see people try to avoid these uh, in the worst uh, way. Um, I just think that they look at it like uh, we don't want arbitration this particular year. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any one of them off the top of my head that 
I would look at and say this is going to be uh, Mikheyev in Toronto. That one could be interesting. Um, I believe they've had some talks, and um, I think Mikheyev, I think the Maple Leafs would like Mikheyev to come in at a lower number than he's kind of talking about. There you go. Elliot Friedman from earlier today joining uh, Rhett Warner, Ryan Pinder, and Boomer on the morning right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Busy shows. The uh, Hockey Central will continue in just a little bit. We've got uh, obviously some breaking news with the uh, with the Calgary Flames uh, re-signing their forward, Andrew Mangiapane, to a two-year contract. A uh, guy who's been busy writing for Sportsnet.ca and getting us the scoop on that and doing some inside reporter work is Eric Francis. We're going to talk to him in just a little bit. And coming up later on this afternoon on the big show, it's Inside the NHL, all part of the uh, sports drive at five. Uh, it's brought to you by Calgary Co-op. I wonder what we're going to have on Inside the NHL today. Hmm. Foreshadowing. I think it might have a, tease. A, a, a little bit of uh, AM might be the uh, might be the initials on that. Calgary Co-op is your one-stop barbecue shop. From only Alberta meats to local grill-ready products, Calgary Co-op is here to help you be your barbecue best. That is coming up with the guys later on this afternoon. We'll talk to Francis next. Eric Francis Fridays to wrap up Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Hope everybody's having a good Friday. It is Hockey Central at noon. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, Riley Pollock, and uh, yes, it is Eric Francis Fridays. Better late, but never. It's it, it's one of those things. We had to switch things around. It's still brought to you by Hyatt Infinity, Calgary's original infinity destination. Own one, and you'll understand. Hyatt Infinity on Luxury Lane. Empower the drive. And Eric, you were uh, you were busy today on Sportsnet.ca. You had, you had a bit of a Calgary story to uh, take care of today. Good stuff for Andrew Madripani getting that two-year contract. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's surprised. I don't think the number is... Uh... Is shocking to anyone. It's about right where most people figured. I guess the only question was whether would they try to lock him up for five or six years, like a la Josh Anderson, <laughs> or uh, or would they do a bridge deal? And I, I think this satisfies everybody's desires and uh, it's good news. And yeah, I was. It's funny. I was just talking to Brad Treleving yesterday, you know, about whether or not they're done. You know, I just posted a column now about are they done. I think that's the most pertinent question that uh, there is remaining this off season. They only have, you know, four million dollars to spend for a handful of players, so they're just going to be PTO players and depth signings, penalty killers. But um, you know, he said we're not done yet. This is not the team we're going to training camp with. Uh, I asked him to elaborate. He says I, I'm not really sure what it means, but I can tell you that we're not done. So a lot of trade talk. Yeah, uh, he's been he has been involved in a lot of trade talk, but it's so hard now, especially now that free agency's over and people have spent their money. It's hard to figure out a dollar-for-dollar dollar trade uh, where everyone's going to be happy, especially if you're going to deal with a core player. It's uh, I don't see it happening myself, uh, but he says he won't shut the door on it. Well, yeah, because you, you talk about $4 million in cap space, unless you make a trade, but it's it's going to be tough to get a team, Eric, that, that wants to take you know $6 million, $5 million back and, 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 and just add to their payroll. It's there, there are not a lot of teams that... A, can even do that with the cap, and B, they have their own budgets to take care of, and that's going to be the story, too, this year in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, you look at teams like Detroit and some of the bottom feeders that are rebuilding and trying to save cap space, and, you know, they don't necessarily want to go and spend it right now on a core player. Uh, I shouldn't say core player, but they they need to save those bullets. I mean, uh, the one thing that Brad Trillivan kept reiterating is the fact that Teams are not just worried about trying to shoehorn players into their budget right now, but it's next year as well. And the year after that, these long-term deals, you got to forecast and you got to forecast without any sort of plan for an accelerator, uh, like, you know, that there's going to be a cap increase. It's going to be flat for a long time. I think they're planning for that. And that just makes your decisions all the more crucial not to overspend right now. Francis, are you surprised that there's still a lot of guys sitting there by the phone waiting for uh, someone to text them an offer. And, 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 you know, there's some good players that, that are still UFAs and haven't found a place to play. No, no, I'm not. You know, I think, uh, I think we all knew when the music stopped, there were going to be uh, people who couldn't find chairs and, uh, and, 
you know, Travis Hamannick's one of them right now. That's that's a fascinating one to me. Very intrigued by what happens there. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of Curtis Glencross, who, you know, had a chance to come back here, decided that, the, the you know, there were probably bigger dollars out there somewhere else, and then got stuck with nothing, and his career was over. And it, it's so unfortunate to see that. But I do think you're going to see a lot of guys who are going to show up in training camps around the league that are, some of them are going to be household names that are going to be showing up on PTOs. And I don't think Calgary's going to be any different than anybody else. You know, older guys, and older now means 30-year-olds, um, that are showing up on PTOs. I, 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 uh, I'm fascinated to see where it goes from here because you go around the league, go to Cap Friendly and tell me where there's money to spend on players still. It's just not there. I feel like almost everybody's already done their spending. Eric, the Flames' defense has already been fairly reshaped heading into next season, but it sounds like, based on your conversation with the GM, there's probably still some desire to add something there. You think that they'll they'll look for a, a value deal somewhere in free agency with a, a veteran player there to try to fill out some of that depth with the youth they have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they need they need right-handed defensemen. There's no question about it. They've been, you know, they drafted a few. They're trying to trying to stockpile that. But there's zero question that you know they've got five six guys who are going to buy for NHL spots in camp, but they're all left-handed defensemen. So guaranteed, somebody's playing on the right side who doesn't know it yet, maybe. Um, and, and that's just the way it's going to be. I, you're not going to go out and get a top four defenseman, nor do you need a top four defenseman uh, to play on the right side. You've got your top four. You need that third pairing guy to play on the right side. So, yeah, they'll get – they're looking for some value defensemen, uh, at least one, I would assume, uh, if not two, probably on PTOs. And then uh, after that, it's just penalty killers. They're looking for characters. They're looking for guys that can kill penalties, and who are good in the room. They're looking for more Zach Ronaldo's is really what they're looking for. And not that Ronaldo's a, you know, the, the big penalty killer, but Tobias Reader is what they're really looking for right now. Whoever's going to be next year's Tobias Reader, I'm fascinated to find out who. Vegas Golden Knights owner Bill Foley with uh, probably a, a slip of the tongue the other day when he mentioned that he wasn't worried about having to face Nate Schmidt next year after his team traded him to Vancouver because... Well, they'll be playing in the Canadian division, and there's no chance we're playing in the Canadian division. Now, of course, nothing official from the NHL or anything close to it, but what do you think the chances are that we do see an all-Canadian division next year and some regional travel and, and that whole idea that's been floated around the last few days? It might be the only thing I think we can count on. You know, If there is hockey this year, the, the only thing that you can definitely count on, in my opinion, is an all-Canadian division. I mean, the governments are not going to bow and, and change their border policies and quarantine policies. Um, I know teams can kind of get around it anyway, but if they're not in bubbles, it's going to be a whole lot harder for them to convince the government to give them a, a bit of a pardon and let them cross the border at will. So no doubt in my mind, that's what's happening. It's an all Canadian division. And very soon, you know, I don't know about soon, but when they do announce it, people are going to be giddy just thinking about, you know, think about what the Calgary Flames just did to the Vancouver Canucks. Think about what they did to the Edmonton Oilers by keeping them from getting Jacob Markstrom. Uh, so many juicy storylines inside our own country. Think about the rivalry that started to get built with the Winnipeg Jets, of all people. Um, Toronto comes to town. They're always exciting. Montreal's got a huge following. The only one that doesn't excite you is, of course, Ottawa. Uh, but other than that... Those are old stomping play, grounds, though, Eric. You, you, you can kind of, you know, think about your university days. I often do, my friend. I often do, and it makes me shed a tear. But yeah, and Brady Kachuk is a good storyline sure. for Ottawa, but outside of that, um, come on. It's just a terrible franchise, and they will be for a while. So uh, it's going to be exciting. All Canadian. I'm all for it. Um, when do you think, if you, if, you know, I said, okay, put your, put your 20 bucks down, when do the Flames kick off the regular season for 2021? When, give me a date. Oh, January 15th. January 15th. That would be okay. I guess. But, hey, I don't really – I was the one who didn't think they'd get a playoff in, and they did it brilliantly. So my guess is not really that credible. I, I'm more of a pessimist when it comes to uh, this this COVID in the world and the second wave and all that. So, But, I, hey, they pulled it off once before. I have no idea, nor does anyone I talk to around the league, how they're going to pull it off again because there won't be bubbles. Players won't stand for it. Uh, but, you know, they're going to give it a try, I'm sure, and uh, 
I hope I'm right. We're January 15th. I hope I'm wrong, actually. I hope it's January 1st. Someone floated the idea the other day. Hey, what about opening the season at Lake Louise with I an outdoor that. game? I saw that. I don't yeah. know where where'd that come from. I have no idea, but I know the league has entertained it before. But with the COVID situation, shoehorning any amount of people into a national park, I just don't think the government's going to go for it at all. I love the idea one day, and man, I would dream of it because I've played some memorable games out there. Like, it's just the most iconic photo and place. It looked good on TV, I, Francis. It would look oh, good on TV. Oh, man. Right? Would it ever? Yeah. I just don't, yeah. I hope they get it done one day, but they'd have to sacrifice a lot of money to do it because you can't put many people out there. You've been light, uh, writing like crazy uh, for sportsnet.ca. What, uh, do you got anything else uh, left in you? Are you going to take a little break? What's, what's next for you? Uh, I think I'm going to do a couple features coming up here and then uh, and take a break. There's really not a lot going on. I mean, when something happens, I'll be all over it. If, if Tree Living's um, suggestion that he's not done yet is true, um, then I'll certainly be writing a lot more real soon. But uh, in the meantime, I'll be golfing. There you go. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> no, you're wait not. No, you're not. You're not traveling. I'll be shoveling. I'll yeah, be shoveling. That's what you're going to be doing. All right, we'll <laughs> yeah. hear you on, on Monday on Eric Francis uh, uh, Mondays or at the Eric Francis Show. We'll do that. But uh, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, cheers, boys. Get your winter boots out. There we go. Eric Francis Fridays brought to you by Hyatt Infinity, Calgary's original infinity destination. Own one, and you'll understand. Hyatt Infinity on Luxury Lane. Empower the drive. All right, what do you guys got going for 1 o'clock in the one, the only big show? Well, we'll dive more into the Andrew Mangiapane conversation, yes. see what the uh, the text line is feeling after the Flames lock down uh, their probably most important uh, RFA remaining. We'll also uh, take a trip up north and get a little update on the Edmonton Oilers offseason uh, with Reed Wilkins from 630 Ched, the host of Oilers Hockey. We'll get an update on that, and uh, Riley will finish off the hour with three burning questions. I think the oil had... had- Kind of a mixed bag when it came to free agency. I think Tyson mm-hmm. Berry is going to be very good for that power play that was always very, very good, like yep. the best. I just don't think they really wanted those goalies, but that's who they're going with. No, that'll be the main topic with Reed is see if they maybe got uh, left without a dance partner and forced to uh, to go back to Mike Smith there. But hey, maybe their most important free agent signing was getting uh, one of their top draft picks back in the fold in Jesse Pujarvi. So That's true. we'll see how the the feel is up north after a couple of weeks of free agency in the draft. And we've got uh, Pat Steinberg, Will Nolt joining at 2 o'clock. It will be busy in baseball tonight. We'll go a little last. Uh, LA's got to win. If they yep. don't, they're in big trouble. As in, there'll be another, uh, well, just the LA Times will be all over them. Just like, oh, this team can't win. What's wrong with them? So that's coming up and uh, more baseball for you. As we roll into the weekend, it is Hockey Central. Big show ready to go next on Sportsnet 960.